So there, there was, that was one, okay? Set that aside. Next thing. Told you, I had a lot to say. I didn't get to say anything last week. Okay, separate conversation. John chapter 9. Turn with me to John chapter 9. I want to talk about... So there are three, three things that I'm covering today. One, we just talked about politics. Two, I want to talk about yielding to God as the writer of our stories. Start actually with John chapter 8, verse... Wait, I think I'm actually going to take you to the wrong reference. Yep, that's taking you to the wrong reference. Go back to chapter 9, please. John chapter 9, verse 3. This is the story of the man born blind. As Jesus passes by, he sees a man who is blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now pause for a moment and think about what that says about the God that we serve. He does not worship us. He does not exist to make us happy. Does he make us happy? Yes. In his presence, there there is fullness of joy forever. So our God delights to make his people happy, abundantly happy. But he doesn't exist to make our life easy, to take all of our troubles away. And in this case, God in his sovereignty ordained that this man would be blind from birth so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Are you okay with that? Are you, am I comfortable with that? Or maybe comfortable is not the right word. It doesn't really matter whether or not we're comfortable. But have we embraced that? Have we yielded to God and said, you are the king. I bow before you. My life is for you. My family is for you. All that I have is for you. Write your story for your glory in me. That's how we are called to live as Christians. Now, we have the sweet promises of God, and we can know and trust that he loves us. He's not, writing, he's not putting us through trial because he's up in heaven laughing and enjoying us writhe in pain. He's not a cruel God. But he is a God who uses trial and difficulty and sorrow to refine us and to glorify him. And he did that here. He did that to the man born blind. So what is, what is it in your life? What is the blindness in your life? The struggle, the suffering, the thorn in the flesh, fill in the blank for yourself. Are you okay with that? Do you see that as this is God, my loving father, working on me, working in my heart for his glory? This is a good thing that I want God to do. Do you think this blind man, when he had his eyes opened, when he experienced the power of Christ, do you think he would have traded seeing up until that point for that experience with Christ? I don't think he would have. No way. You kidding? You get to be healed by Christ, feel his power. One of the first things you get to see, and he goes away to the pool and washes, so he didn't see Jesus then. I believe this one. I believe he sees Jesus later on. But regardless, point being, he lives this life of blindness and then is healed by Christ and he is a testimony to the glory of God. Would you not want that for yourself? This is one of those count the cost things. 
right? Because that's what we're all called to, not, not a life of blindness, but a life of surrender. Surrender of whatever it may be. Turn over to John chapter 11, verse 3. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love, Lazarus, is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man, or the Son of God, may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Hold that sentence in your head. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? He loves them, so he doesn't go right away and heal Lazarus? That's jarring to our self-centered view of love. If God loves me, he should show up and fix this. That's not how God loves us. No, he loves us much more than that. He has something much better in mind for us. Do you think, and I would imagine this sickness was miserable for Lazarus, right? Jesus loves Lazarus. He loves Mary and Martha. He knows that they're agonizing, watching their brother die. He knows that Lazarus is presumed, I mean, I don't know what sickness he had. He's probably, you know, in bed, feverish sweats, miserable aches, pains. I don't know. He's dying. I mean, he's literally dying. This is a bad sickness. Jesus knows all this. He lets them go through that. Do you think Lazarus would have traded that for hearing Lazarus come forth? No way. No way. He'd sign up to do it again. That's the Christian perspective on sorrow, on trial. God does have us go through difficult things. And we don't have the right to demand that he answer to us for how he's writing his story. But we can know and trust that he has a good purpose in it all. And he is shaping our hearts for his glory and for our good. And we can rejoice in that. That doesn't mean that we try to make sad things happen. But let's, let's look at the, the perfect example, which is Jesus. Eight, uh, John eight They're coming to kill Jesus. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus was not a coward. He, did not, he does not have any problem with fleeing because he's, he's scared and he's trying to get away from what he should be doing. At the same time, Jesus' perspective is not, oh, a bad thing's about to happen. Well, I guess I better just stand here and take it because it's the will of God. No. Jesus lives, he, he lives out right here. There are times to flee. There are times where it's appropriate to get out of the way of a bad thing that's about to happen. Jesus hides himself and goes out of the temple. So the point of this is not, oh, it's virtuous to suffer like in a vacuum. We just, we want suffering because suffering rocks. That's not the point. The point is that God in his sovereignty ordains suffering at certain times. We don't seek for it. In fact, Jesus sets an example of praying, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, please take it from me. But then at the end, what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done. And that's what we see in 12, 27, and 28. Jesus says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That is the prayer of the submitted Christian heart.
Lord, glorify your name. Your will be done. I am here for you. My life is for you. And if you have ordained that I'm going to go through this trial, I ask that you remove the trial. But if you have ordained for me to go through this trial, then let me go through it in a way that honors you. And may you be exalted and receive the glory.